Back to the bald, uh, what'd you call it? Oh, it's my bald wig. Stand up with me, everybody. We're going to God's word together right now. Father, help us to reach people, outreach and inreach. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Those uh, tickets are in the lobby for you. Ten bucks per person will feed you a beautiful dinner. Pastor Vic's involved in that. It's worth the price of admission right there. And, uh, yeah, bring a friend. And neighbor. In fact, I want you to pray right now. I want you to just ask the Lord, close your eyes, ask the Lord, Lord, place somebody on my heart, somebody from work, somebody from the neighborhood, a friend, a neighbor, a, a co-worker, a family member that needs you, Lord. And we're going to share the gospel in a really creative way, uh, Friday night, the 18th. Help every one of us, Lord, to not only uh, begin to pray for that person, but Father, open the door, give us the opportunity to invite them and tell them well, we'll, we'll buy your ticket, it's a great dinner, and then we'll have a theater as well, dinner theater, Friday night on the 18th. Let's turn to God's word this morning, once again, to John chapter 16. And I want to go back and read, starting at verse 23, 23 through the end of the chapter, New Living Translation. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me. The Father loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, at least, or excuse me, at last you are speaking plainly. At last you're telling it slant. That's the title of the message. And uh, that comes out of a um, Emily Dickerson poem way, way back. But it was the whole idea was speak it very plainly. Tell it slant. At last you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus, a little bit sarcastically, asks, do you finally believe? You know, it's kind of like, really? You guys really do believe now? Well, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this 
so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Father, add your great blessing to the reading and now the exploring of your precious word. We give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. So, title of my message, as I said, is, uh, I call it, Tell It Slant. Tell It Slant. And, you know, I can, I can speak eloquently sometimes uh, if I have to, but I very much prefer the language of the common man. Now, I'm sure you know this, but in today's generation, they turn cuss words into adjectives. Now, I'm not going to go that far, but I want to relate to the language of our culture. Eugene Peterson, he wrote a book, and the entire book, the title is Tell It Slant. The premise was that Jesus spoke the language of the people. He speaks plainly to us today. And how do we know that? Point number one of today's message, he gave us the New Testament. Now Jesus, he didn't come here all high and mighty. He spoke figuratively and in parables because there were going to be certain things even the disciples wouldn't be able to grasp. So he genuinely, however, loved to speak in plain language. You go read his interactions with the common people and he's trying his best to help them understand, except when it's such a high uh, theological explanation that he's gonna use uh, time later to help the disciples to go deeper and understand. But he loved speaking plainly. In verse 25, he tells them in the original Greek, that though he used deep, dark sayings, he is now speaking to them about the Father in plain language. Now, I want to look into this a little bit. Deep, dark sayings basically means the deep part of that is the lofty nature of the truth. The lofty nature of the truth. The dark part of this is the concealed nature of the teaching Jesus is giving to them. All right? So... Yes, there were times when he was communicating and he knew they would only understand this later on. The plain speaking of the Spirit of Christ is recorded now for all of us right here in the New Testament. And it's so awesome. 27 incredible books that explain the mystery that even the angels long to look into to obliterate the darkness and make everything light for us. Now, it's fun for us to look into this today and try to grasp what is known as the spiral fashion of how Jesus taught. So he starts teaching about prayer, and then he's teaching about the advocate, and then he's teaching about the father, and he's building, and he's, he's moving upward, and he's growing their understanding. And then what happens? Well, he would go to another topic. And then what would happen? He would return 
to the topic again. And he would add significant detail of truth to what he had previously said. And it was really all beyond their comprehension until the Holy Spirit descended at Pentecost to remind them and explain to them all that Jesus was teaching. And the Holy Spirit comes to us today and he makes it plain. I was uh, privileged to be at a black church one time and the guy right behind me, next to me, probably said this 50 times during the sermon. Make it plain, pastor. Make it plain. Now, in today's passage, the spiral continues upward, leading his disciples closer to the heavenly reality. And today, we're gonna end up this upper room discourse, and then we're going to move into his prayer in chapter 17. What's the Lord's prayer? Right, John 17. The one we pray, our Father in heaven, that's our prayer that he taught us, the disciples' prayer. The Lord's prayer is in John 17, and we're going to go there real soon. So, today, what happens is Jesus is bringing the guys as far as he can bring them. He's got them real uh, high at the pinnacle, at the summit of what he wants to teach them before he leaves. And it really does seem that the disciples are starting to have a, a greater revelation. And you can see in this passage that we read today that they, they're sort of thanking him for telling it slant. They're thanking him for speaking more plainly, but they still don't get it. So after they tell him that they believe, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, really, guys? Now, I know your faith is growing in me, but each one of you are about to scatter and abandon me, running for the hills, running for your very life. Okay, now I want to talk about that for a moment. Abandonment. Have you ever felt that way? Jesus being abandoned and betrayed was part of the judgment the Father placed on him for our sins. John stayed with Jesus, and of course his mother was at the cross, but Peter denied him. The other disciples fled to their homes but this leads to the culmination of the teaching of having come out from the Father. Jesus says, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Jesus didn't just come out from the Father, but he was always in constant, intimate communication and fellowship with his Father. So even though he was rejected by men, don't ever forget this. He was his father's total delight. This is my beloved son. This is my dear son in whom I am well pleased. The original Greek, in whom is my total delight. So even when the disciples abandoned him, he wasn't abandoned by the father because the father is, the father was, the father always will be with the son 
And the Son is, was, and always will be with the Father. Now, of course, there was that one horrible, excruciating exception. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, there was this moment where he experienced the outpouring, the full punishment of our sinfulness. And at that moment, yes, he was abandoned by the Father. That's when Jesus cried out in such great agony, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For that one tragic period of time, with, with the entire sin of the whole world now resting on Jesus, that's when the Father had to turn his back, the same way he would have turned his back on us if we tried to come before him without our sins being forgiven. So the great verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21, Jesus at that moment became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But Jesus was sinless, friends. He was holy. And his precious blood, which cleanses us from sin, had been shed. So the Father quickly turns once again to Jesus and their intimate relationship was perfectly restored. Listen, if we face God without the blood of Jesus, we'll be abandoned by God forever. A person without Jesus will be aware of the presence of God, but mainly you'll be aware of his rejection and his abandonment for the rest of eternity. And you know what? That's your choice. But because we have believed in Jesus Christ, we will never, ever experience this depth of abandonment or any kind of abandonment by our Father who is in heaven. Now, what we experience instead is his delight and his approval, just like he delighted in his son, Jesus. And through Jesus, by faith, God, the Father, now delights in us. All right, now hug yourself, will you? Will you just accept that right now? Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. Even though Jesus was abandoned by his disciples, he wasn't alone. If people abandon you and reject you, even if everyone you know were to leave you, you will never be alone if you have faith in Jesus Christ because of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They they will always be with you. Do you know that you are loved by the Father? Do you know how much you are loved by the Son? Do you have any idea how you are loved by the Holy Spirit? To be loved and to be in the presence of God is a great height in this ascending spiral. And, and even higher, on top of that, is this gift from Jesus of his abiding peace, his consistent joy, and finally, his complete victory. And friends, those three things are all one. It's like this guy standing on top of the spire of the One World Trade Center, putting the last touches on it. That's 
where we are today in the scriptures. That's what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. That's what he wants all of us to know. Okay, let's, let's all ease our way down from the spire right now. And let's go look at verse number 26. Verse 26, where he says, I won't continue making requests of the Father on your behalf. I won't need to. Because you've gone out on a limb and committed yourself to love yourselves to love and trust in me. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? In that day, you will be able to talk to the Father personally. You don't need to come to me anymore, Jesus is saying, and have me go and make requests for you to the Father. And, and the disciples are all going, what? Wait a minute. That's always how our relationship has worked up till now. Whatever we need, Jesus, we come to you. We've watched you your whole life uh, in ministry here with us on earth, time after time, where you would have prolonged moments in prayer with the Father, and Jesus says, yeah, that was me taking my requests to the Father, just like I'm allowing you now to take your requests to him. Jesus was getting his daily download, his schedule. I can just see it. He's up in the mountains, and he's praying, and the Father's telling him, now today, there's going to be a, a, a big crowd around you, and all of a sudden, you're going to feel power leave your body. That's because... We are going to be healing this lady who reached out to touch the hem of your garment. And oh, by the way, you're on your way to raise a young man from the dead. And it's just on and on and on. Jesus was, was intimate. Jesus knew what was going to take place in his life. And I believe we can have similar experiences because the Holy Spirit now has come to take up residence in our lives and we can go directly to the Father for our requests and our daily direction. This brings me to point number two today. He gave us direct access to the Father. Would you look back at verse 23 with me? Ask the Father for whatever is in keeping with the things I've revealed to you, ask in my name according to my will, and he will most certainly give it to you. Your joy will be a river overflowing its banks. Now, I have jumped to the Message Bible because Eugene Peterson just tells it slant. He just makes it real plain. Your joy will be a river overflowing its banks. Banks. The Passion Translation says, your joy will have no limits. Now, when the Spirit comes, you have direct access to the Father. This is stunning for Jewish people hearing this because for them, God was somewhat distant. He was veiled. Jesus was just now bringing God out from behind that invisible veil. And so remember, they only had the high priest who had access to the Holy of Holies one time a year on the high holy day, Yom Kippur, and he was only in there for a short time. That was their access 
to the Father. Until when? Until the cross. Until the ripping of the veil from top to bottom, exposing the Holy of Holies to anyone who's willing to go in there because now God is saying, everyone has free access to me. Everyone. Anybody can go to the Father. Jesus says, come boldly to the Father. And then tell him, Father, I'm here because Jesus sent me and told me to come. You right now have that access. You have that privilege. This is where our joy emanates from. We now have direct access to Father God. This was absolutely foreign thinking back then. To them, God was distant. God was far away. You didn't even talk about God as your father. Maybe you talked about him as the father of creation, uh, created beings, father of the nation of Israel, but you couldn't become intimate with God. You certainly didn't call him Abba, Papa. (laughs) That truth right there is basically what killed Jesus. Because as you know, he didn't just claim to have an intimate relationship with his father. He claimed equality with the Father. Man, did that tick him off. That was like burning the Koran to a Muslim. That was absolute blasphemy, even though it was absolutely true. But they couldn't grasp it. They didn't know God had shown up on earth, that he was walking among them. They couldn't get it. Now Jesus is saying to those following him, you don't need me to go for you. You can go. Hey, that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't intercede for us. But listen, he intercedes for us when we have no insight, no wisdom, no knowledge about something. But the truth is all of us have this direct access to God and whatever you desire from God the Father, go and talk to him about it. And if it's consistent with the name of Jesus, the will of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus, then the Father is going to respond to you. Now, the other day I met an Italian man who told me he was really asking Mother Mary to answer his prayer. And I asked him, now tell me again, why are you praying to Mary? And he said, well, you know, it works best when you really needed something from a man. Go ask his mother. (laughs) There's a guy named Ludwig Ott, a Roman Catholic systematic theologian who speaks for the Catholic Church. And here's what he wrote. No grace accrues to mankind without the intercession of Mary. The redemptive grace of Jesus Christ is conferred on nobody without the actual intercessory cooperation of Mary. Now, friends, please don't get me wrong. I love our Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, without them, we wouldn't have what we have. They are the Catholic church. They've been around since Jesus was here. And so it's just that I think most of them would be really surprised to read these scriptures today. See, they've been taught, you can't get anything from God unless you go through Mary. 
You can't go directly to God. You, you, you have to go talk to the priest. Jesus is saying today, you can now go directly to the Father in my name. How incredible is that? And you can say, Abba, Papa. Oh, I love the word Papa. That's what my grandkids call me. I've been called a lot of things in my day, but the one I love the most is Papa. And Jesus is saying to all of us that you can say to Papa, you can say to Abba, I'm here because Jesus invited me to come. And Jesus, here's what he said, because you love me, you can go straight to the Father in my name. I'll be interceding for you. I live to make intercession for you on stuff where you're clueless. I'm going to fight the battle on the divine level for you, but you have complete access to God. Complete access to the Father. Now you say, well, how could we ever be given that kind of a privilege? Here it is. Are you listening? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell it slant. I'm going to make it plain. Make it plain, pastor. Here we go. Here it is. The Father himself loves you because you love his son. Point number three today, the Father loves you. He even likes you. I heard someone just this week say, you know, I love you, but I don't like you. Isn't it great? Your heavenly father not only loves you, not only knows every little stinking detail about your life, but he even likes you. He likes it when you come to him. He likes it to have that communion. He wants it to grow. He wants it to be intimate. And why does all of this come to us? Because God loves us. And he loves us so much that we can go straight to him and ask for anything that is consistent with the purposes of Jesus. And you can know beyond a doubt that you will receive it. That, friends, is an amazing truth. All of the riches of heaven are at your disposal. God wants to grant every good thing to you because you deeply love his son. The other day I was experimenting with this. <laughs> I wanted to talk to the father and I wanted to hear some answers about some things really important to me in my life. So I got really quiet. I got in a, in a quiet place and I said, Father, Will you speak to me about my kids and my grandkids? Here's what I heard. They're in my hands. They're in my care. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, Father, what about the church? What about Trinity Life Center? He said, trust me. I said, Lord, are we ever going to really have revival? He said, yes. I said, 
what about all this fasting and praying we're trying to do around here? He said, right on point. Stay with it. Now, we all know that God loves the whole world in a general sense, right? John 3.16. But have you read John 13.1 recently? This is where he tells his disciples that he is going to love them so deeply, he's going to show them the full extent of his love. He's going to love them and, and every disciple that follows them. That includes you and me. He's going to love us in such a deep way. It's going to be special, even more special than this verse that you could discern by just reading this in English. Because in verse 27, when he talks about the Father's love for us, it's not the word agape. It's not that divine, supreme, sacrificial love. It's the word phileo. It's family love. It's a deep affection. It's a deep personal affection. You might say it this way. It's nice to know that God loves you, but how much more wonderful is it to know that he actually likes you? He likes you. He's drawn to you. His affections go toward you. He wants to lavish you with all the benefits and blessings that his affection for you can bring. And it's written in the present tense. And that means he will continually love you. He will never stop loving you. He's going to love you throughout the rest of eternity. And he loves you with a very deep affection. Now listen. He loves everybody. John 3.16, God so loved the world, but he has a special family-style affection for those who belong to him. I'm so glad today to stand here before you guys and say I'm loved by God and it's on some kind of divine level, but I get to go deeper than that today because of what's written in the holy text. I'm amazed that he has a warm, tender, deep affection for this knucklehead. And he has it all the time and it never wanes. And this affection is one that he reserves only for those that belong to him. And as a result of that, he is going to lavish on me, on you, all the things that will enhance our relationship with Jesus. Now, I don't know how many people love you, but if God loves you, and if he loves you like we just described, that's a game changer, friends. That changes everything. That changes how I feel about myself. That changes how I pray. I'm not praying to a mean God up in the sky who's out to get me. I'm praying to a God who likes me because I love his son. There was a rabbi who had two sons and he loved spending time with them. And one son would come in and, and just... This son loved to chat with his, his dad. And so they spent a lot of time together. And then the son would bring a request to his dad and ask him for something. And the dad would say, of course, of course, but just... And the father would detain his son in his presence. 
The other kid would come in, hey, dad, can I have this? Yeah, absolutely, no problem. What was the difference? The difference was that the other boy didn't really enjoy spending time with his dad. So he got his requests answered pretty quickly. So be careful if you're that type of person that you quickly get responses from the father. He answers your prayer really quickly. That might mean that you guys aren't enjoying each other's presence very much. When, when the delay comes in the prayer request, it's because the father wants to spend more time with you. He wants to detain you in his presence. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because he likes you. He likes spending time with you. Now, he knows all about our unfaithfulness. He knows everything there is to know about us. He knows when our spirit is critical. He knows when we're bitter. He knows when we're resentful. He knows every sin we've ever committed. And he still likes us. He has strong, unending affection for us. It's just, it's just an incredible thing. And we say today, Abba, Father. My brother, I think I told you guys this, my brother was in Lebanon one time and a bomb exploded. And there was a 12-year-old boy on the other side of, the, they were at, in this big square and the bomb exploded and my brother heard this 12-year-old shouting at the top of his lungs, Abba! Abba! And he said, oh man, that changed my life. That's how I go to the Father now in prayer. Abba! Abba, Father. I come because Jesus sent me to ask you for what's on my heart. And I know you're going to give it to me if it's something that will bring honor to Jesus. Okay, now how did we get this love? Back to verse 27. The Father himself loves you. Here it is, once again, because you loved me, Jesus said. So if you're here this morning and you find yourself saying, how do I get God to love me like that? How do I get God to lavish his affection on me and to care for me and to pour out all of the resources of heaven on my behalf, even though I'm not everything I should be? How do I do that? And the answer is as plain, as clear as it can possibly be. Here it is. You love Jesus. The Father loves you. <laughs> the Father says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, in, in whom is my total delight. Listen, if the love, the son, if you love the son that God loves, then God loves you. And that's how you step into God's love. And that's how you know you can have an intimate relationship with the father because you love his son. Do you want God to love you with lavish affection? Then love his son. Now, you've all heard this story before about this elderly man. He was very wealthy, had lots and lots of expensive art at his home. And 
his son died. And he decided to just sell it all. He was just done. He, he was just broken. He, he lost his son. So he called for an estate sale, and boy, people came from everywhere. Everywhere. And they're all there to make bids on this very price, pricey artwork. And there was a guy that was in the armed forces with his son, who served with his son, and he wasn't wealthy. And he came just out of respect for the son and to pay his respects to the dad and ask the dad how he's doing. And, and he looked over in the corner, and right before the big auction started, the son saw this picture that had been drawn crudely of, of the father's son. And he goes, oh, there's my buddy. Hey, how much for that? Can I have that picture? And the father this dad, he stands up, grabs the auctioneer by the arm, pushes him aside and says, ladies and gentlemen, this auction is over. Because I made up my mind, whoever wants that picture of my son gets it all. Because he loved my son. Now... Here's another question for you, okay, as I bring this to a close. Do you want to be loved at the highest level? Do you want to be loved by the one who has the most to give? If so, then love his son. Love Jesus. And how do you express your love for Jesus? By obeying his commands. And if you do that, you will live in the riches of that love for the rest of your life. Can you imagine? Anybody here today worried about finances? Your father owns it all. If you had a really wealthy dad, you'd be a spoiled brat. But if you had a really wealthy dad, you would never worry about finances. Friends, don't worry. You are loved greatly. You know, people may come in and out of your life and some will love you and some will turn against you and others will disappoint you, but you're loved by the one whose love will never stop. It will never diminish. And if a person is loved like that, then you can suffer anything that comes your way. Bring it on. Kill me. For me to live as Christ, if I die, that's even better. I enter into the lavishness of his eternal love. It's hard to live without love. We are people. We need love. But why settle for, for something temporary, something that fluctuates, something that's based on conditions, something that's basically superficial when you can be loved like this? by the one who knows everything there is to know about you and loves you still. When we know we're unconditionally loved, we can have complete peace and deep joy in every situation because Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Hallelujah. Now let me finish today by telling you a story that recently happened when there was a man named Scott Thompson, and he had trouble. In this world, you will have 
trouble. You will have tribulation. But his trouble was intense. He's a sea urchin diver. He was out in the Santa Barbara Channel in the middle of the night this past January 26th. He wasn't diving because the water had become too choppy and the visibility was just too poor. His boat, the Miss Grace, was in gear. Okay? Now he's standing on the port side of his boat close to the edge, and a wave hits the other side, the starboard side, and he slips on something on his deck. He falls overboard. His boat was in gear. It starts to pull away from him. He's swimming as fast as he can, as hard as he can, try to catch up with his boat, but he was swimming against the swells, and the boat just kept pulling him farther and farther away. The water was 57 degrees. His first thought that ran through his mind, oh man, my wife and my two kids, I'm not going to be there to help her raise those incredible children. So something, you know, inside of him goes, man, you got to fight. You got to fight. The boat's gone. He's out in the middle of the ocean. He, he starts to swim. He, he gets some courage and he tries to remember, I thought I saw an oil platform, and, and it was a moonless night. He couldn't see anything. It's dark. He's swimming. And he's starting to get discouraged. And he wants to quit, which meant that he would die. And all of a sudden, he hears a splash behind him in the water. His next thought was, oh, great. Now I'm going to be eaten by a shark. So he froze for a moment. And then he heard it coming, and he tries to punch at the shark. You know how you hear if you hit the shark in the nose? So he's punching, he's punching. And out of the water bounces this seal. And this seal looks straight at him. And the seal knows Scott's deeply in trouble. I mean, deadly in trouble. And the seal's looking at him, and Scott said that the seal looked at him as if he was saying, why are you doing out here in the T-shirt and shorts? You don't have no business being out here. The, the seal dropped under the water. Scott thought that was it. He hadn't seen the last of his little companion. But then the seal reappeared. The seal was playing hide and seek with him. So Scott began to swim again towards where he believed the oil rig was. This is a true story. This just happened back in January in a Santa Barbara channel. The seal stayed with Scott and Scott began talking to his little buddy. <laughs> At times he would become so tired and so discouraged. And every time that little seal would drop out of sight and come up from behind him and give him a big push in the back to help keep him going. And the seal did that several times at the most important moments. And Scott Thompson swam for five hours in the dark, in the freezing water, his little buddy seal stayed right with him the entire time, playing with him and pushing him forward. After five hours, he finally made it to an oil rig, not the one that he thought he was heading to, but the one that the little seal knew there was human life on that oil rig. 
and the workers were there and they look down and they see Scott and they see the little seal and they reach out and they grab Scott out of the water. They pull him onto the rig. They get a helicopter out there that flies him to a hospital where he's treated for hypothermia and Scott is doing fine today and he's thankful that he gets to watch his children grow up and stay married to his wife. But more than anything, he's thankful to God for sending a little seal to save his life. Does God love you? Whatever you have need of, he's going to provide. At the moment, you need it. Whatever it is. I want you to bow your heads right now. Close your eyes. Father, you do care about us, don't you? We love your son, Jesus. This whole service has been an expression from our hearts to you because of what your son Jesus has done for all of us. We'll never forget. Lord, we'll never forget. That's what communion's all about. We'll never forget the price that Jesus paid for us. The blood that he shed, the the life that he gave, the, the sin that he became so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we love Jesus. And and your word today, John 16, tells us that everyone who loves Jesus is going to be greatly loved by you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Father, thank you that you care so much about us that if we're in a bad situation, You can send a little seal our way. You can do amazing things. Nothing's impossible for you. And we love you and we trust you and we put our whole lives into your hands, Lord. We're going to do our very best not to worry. We're going to do our best that when worry comes along and when the trouble is pouncing on us, And we're going to step back and we're going to say, you know, that's just a sign I need to be in prayer. And we'll turn to you in prayer. Hallelujah. Now, as we close today, I I just want to know if there's anybody listening, uh, anybody here today that today's your day. I mean, you are making up your mind today. You are going to love Jesus. You're going to trust Jesus. And you're going to begin to experience like never before the love of the Father for you. And if that's you, just raise your hand real high. Let me see it. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to ask God for salvation today. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. God bless you guys. God bless you, man. God bless you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, you see these hands and you know their hearts and they're saying, I'm putting my full trust in Jesus. 
and I'm going to love Jesus the rest of my life and, and I'm going to open the door for my heavenly father that I now have access to that I can go straight to in the name of his son Jesus and present my requests and the rest of my life is going to be lavished with the love of the father the love of the son and the love of the Holy Ghost. Now I want to open uh, the altars right now for anybody who you're just really struggling. You know, in this world, you will go through stuff. And some of you are going through it right now. And it, I just want to open the altars up. If you're, if you're really struggling with something right now, you're going through a a difficult time in your life. Would you just come right now, make your way up to the altar here and just stand as close as you can because we're going to give room for some other folks to come up behind you and lay their hands on you and pray for you. Hallelujah. Let's just worship the Lord for a few moments. Louis, lead us right now. Are you hurting or broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is called. 